You are welcome to the Nigerian Filmmaker, a podcast about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Raymond Yusuf, a member of the Filmmaking Collective, the Critics Company. They went viral for making sci-fi short films with their phones and have made several shots, such as Chase, Timothy, and Ogola. We talk about their journey as filmmakers, the use of VFX in films, and their love for cinema. If you're a new listener, you're welcome, and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Raymond. You're welcome to the Ninja Filmmaker. Hi, Sele. I, I hope I got the pronunciation of your name correctly, but yeah, thank you for having me on behalf of the team. All right. Today. Yeah. yeah. So can you introduce yourself? Um, my name is Raymond Dussouf. I am a member of the filmmaking collective called The Critics Company. Um, I am a filmmaker with um, skills in a lot of, in almost all the stages of um, film production, which means that if I start to mention them, it's going to be like a lot. Yeah. And um, I think I can say the same about um, the other team members as well, because, you know, we are majorly independent filmmakers who have had to make films um, with the littlest of resources that we could muster around from friends and family and also yeah, in a few um, productions that we have been able to um, handle so far. Yeah. Can you also like introduce the other members of um, the, the team? All right. Yeah, there, um, there are five members um, in the collective. We have um, Godwin, Gaza Josiah, we have Richard Yusuf, we have Victor Josiah, and we also have um, Renaud Yusuf. And you can hear that there are similar surnames. Yeah. Um, yeah, for uh, most of us, we are all related. Okay. Um, both siblings and cousins who are filmmakers. Yeah, that's nice. So, um... You know, you guys started, you have like humble beginnings in Kaduna, you know, shooting your videos. Can you talk about, you know, how you guys started? Whose idea was it to start these videos? Okay. Um, well, I I think I'll just um, take a trip back to um, 2015. But before 2015, um, like a lot of young um children right we were enamored by the films that we saw on cable and on the television that you know we would run around like our age, our houses you know playing these characters yeah. and we took that um child's play a bit further and started making films and in 2015 we began production for our first short film, which was like a religious drama yeah. to the redemption. And yeah, that was like the first ever um, short film that we made. And this was um, shot on a phone and edited on a laptop that my dad used to use. And, you know, um, after making that film, it kind of like sent us down a rabbit hole of just discovering and finding out techniques and how to um, incorporate 
visual effects right into the films that we made because we came with the perspective of wanting to make something different than what we were typically used to um, from Nigerian cinema. So yeah, we wanted to come in the line of making blockbusters, you know, with like visual effects and robots and superheroes and all that. So um, I, I like to say that in 2017, what I would call our first official short film um, began. And, you know, in 2018, we made a, we made what we call our first science fiction short film called Chase. And yeah, Chase was released in 2018. And, you know, it garnered a, a few views, I think maybe 65 views as at the point of release. Yeah. And, you know, after making Chase, um, our small Facebook community really loved it. Our small Facebook community really loved it, you know, and we um, we were inspired to make something bigger and better than Chase. And we made this short film called Z the Beginning. And that took us like seven months to make. And it was released on the, um, it was released in January 2019. And after making, um, after making Z the Beginning, we had this creative burnout where um, it was like, you know what, we're just going to be making smaller um, and shorter films yeah. and, you know, try to um, start like a fundraiser to fund the sequel to Z the Beginning. But we were not able to do that because we were all separated by um, school um, and, you know, most we were in different parts of Nigeria. Um, some of us were in Abuja. And the rest of us were like in Kaduna um, doing school. So um, nothing happened until Techno was doing this. Oh, okay, make a video telling us what you would do with one millionaire. And we entered for the competition. Yeah. And we had entered for for a similar thing that Faust did in 2018. Where it was like, oh, okay, I have one million that I'm not using. What will you do with this one million? So the video we used to enter for the first competition was what we used to enter for this techno competition because we couldn't come together to make a video. Yeah. So um, this video went out of control. And for some reason, the Twitter, some people in the Nigerian Twitter film community saw this video, you know, um, feeling Gabori tweeted before, you know, video got to Kemi Adetiba and you know Kemi Adetiba sends us a DM and she's like, you know, this is how you um do fundraisers. But a lot of people did not know that oh we're actually entering for the techno competition. They just thought it was just a random video yeah. of kids telling the internet that we wanted um one millionaire to buy equipment and all. So um that was our connection to um, Kemi Adetiba began and then she did this fundraiser for us and we were able to raise um almost two million era yeah. or i think a bit higher than two million era as of that year and we were able to get like our first equipment and the fundraiser that she raised for us came with like um some other things that we did not really expect like um somebody from writers wanting to like cover our story someone from cnn and the writers feature like gets out and you know news of our kind of like you know goes um viral in that moment yeah. and you know 
you know, people start to look up our work and they are watching it on our YouTube channel and, you know, we gain um, a crazy amount of followers compared to the amount we had originally. Yeah. And, you know, since then, I've just been figuring out ourselves as young people and filmmakers in our beautiful country, Nigeria. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, with Z the beginning, like what, like why did um post production? Why did it take seven months to make that film? Well, um, life problems number one. <laughs> yeah. Life problems were like a factor. Um, we started filming in August twenty nineteen, and we had. For like a very short film and a, an independent production, we had 150 visual effects shots, huh. which um, is a lot, really. But um, and also, it was because this film was a post-apocalyptic dystopian Nigeria. So, like, we needed to make sure that everything that you see in this film doesn't look too similar to what we see in the present day. So there was a lot of rotoscoping and masking and, you know, intense visual effects work. The main character had a CG bionic arm. So, um, yeah, so there was so much work happening on this um, project. So it's like, it was months and months of just trying to get the possible results and also reshooting sometime in November and December and eventually, in January, we're like, you know, no matter what happens, we must put this film out by um, by January. Yeah. And, yeah. So it was just the VFX and the post-work that took most of our time, coupled with, sprinkled with the <laughs> source of life problems. So, yeah. Yeah. And at this point, were you guys, like, kind of versed in VFX or you're still kind of experimenting? Well, um, I think that this project was really taught us a lot. So yeah, I would say we're still experimenting as at this point because for a lot of the things that we did, we had never done them before. And, you know, um, it really helped in advancing um, the skills um, for visual effects because of this particular project here. Yeah. And I guess, you know, with, with going viral, um, JJ Abrams eventually heard of you guys and he sent um, like some equipment to you guys. How was that for you? You know, this director that, you know, has directed Star Wars and, you know, you guys, you know, making um, sci-fi, sci-fi shots. How, how did that all kind of feel for you guys? Well, um, honestly, man, I think I will never... I will never forget like how very monumental that was, you know, for um, me personally and for us as a team. In the sense that I think like growing up in the Kaduna, Hollywood always felt like the sort of place where you would, where you would need like a special portal to go through, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know possibly meet like people there, and you know. Being able to do your thing in this little village, and some people from Hollywood begin to like commend you, even to the point of sending guests to like help your 
um, dreams come true is something that I will never be able to fathom. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think it has been really, it has been very inspiring. And I think like a certain moment, it is just something to look back on and just watch and, you know, really regain inspiration to remember why, why we are still doing what we are doing. Yeah. And um, did, did this whole opportunity come with a bit of uh, mentorship from DJ Abrams? Um, in honesty, no, no. Um, I, we, at a certain point, we got like mentorship from um, Franklin, Leonard, who paired us, who paired us and DJ Abrams, or who connected us and DJ Abrams. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, really, yeah. So that happened because, you know, we were in talks of, like, developing projects um, for developing a feature project. And, yeah, so that happened. And, you know, yeah, we got a lot of resources um, that we could learn from, um, yeah, through Franklin Leonard. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so tell me about, you know, how you guys came up with the name, The Critics Company. Well, uh, the new liquidity came from the, as simple as it is, it is just because we initially started with making um, comedy skits that were inspired by Chris Clown. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Clown usually did this comparison skit where he would do the, um, the Nigerian parents and the European American parents and all that. And yeah, so we be reading the Nigerian films and like the Hollywood films and all that. So that's where the name kind of like came from and that stuck with us since then. But I think at the point it was like always something that we knew that well, people would always say that, oh, okay, where did I get this name from? That kind of thing. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but I think the name comes with a body <laughs> in itself. Yeah. What's that yeah. body? The body of, you know, it's like you're a critic. You have, you have publicly announced yourself as a critic in a way. And, you know, it means that you have to kind of like make sure that the work that you do holds, you know, um, holds true to the name that you have decided to call yourself. So it's like, oh, everything has to be good from us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing is as worse as a terrible um, critic making a terrible film. Yeah. yeah. That's not a good look. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so can can you mention three random facts about yourself? Mm. Three random facts about now um, to clarify the collective or myself. Um, I mean, if you have three random facts about the collective, then you can yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll just maybe sprinkle between the collective and myself if I am able to think yeah. on this. But, but I think the first thing is, um, before the critics, we had like almost five different production company names. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're like um, 3RGV, 3RGV, um, Rosario, A Footstep Productions, Angel Pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's like one one fact. Um the second thing 
will be ah okay yeah the second thing will be like we are actually the first Nigerians to um, get nominated for a Webby Award. Okay. So yeah, yeah, there's that. Then um, a fact about myself is that as at the point of this recording, I am 20 years old. So as long as this recording still has its footprint on the internet, it will be interesting to listen to. Yeah. You know, ten years, ten years from now. That's yeah. interesting. So you started. Yeah. You guys started the collective when you were what age? Um, I was 13 then. Okay. Were you the youngest yeah. at that point or the oldest? I am the second oldest. Okay. <laughs> yes. Nice. I think I have a question. Okay. For you, for you. Um, and it's like, I when when we got your email, I actually took the time to um listen to um some of the podcasts. I listened to um the one you did with um Ogeo Basi yeah. and Vanessa Ohaha. But I had not gotten the chance to listen to um your um singular podcast and I wanted to just really, you know, have an insight into like um what you do and you know, uh, if you were kind of like more of like a film enthusiast or you've also made films of your own and yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um. I'm actually like a film director, producer, cinematographer. I mean, I can just like you. I can mention everything, but yeah, that's why I'll stop. But I mean, I feel the the podcast has taken more prominence, and you know, I've been referred to as a journalist. Um. So maybe <laughs> maybe at some point I'll slow down with the podcast, and maybe my films will be the loudest. Um. Yeah. form of promotion for me but yeah um i've done i've i've made the web series finding it that is currently on youtube and um in 2021 i directed um my first feature um oh, nice. yeah working on like kind of tidying up the whole distribution plan and all that i mean as a first-time filmmaker it's not easy getting your film out in Nigeria. So you're just trying to do it right. Um, and yeah, like this year, I'm working on a documentary and also a short film for festivals. So yeah, I I, I enjoy, you know, I, I enjoy like, you know, kind of learning, learning from, you know, different people in the industry. And I feel, you know, having these conversations out there, you know, rather than it being a kind of closed off industry where nobody shares information, you know, we you get to kind of um you know, hear about people's processes and you know, challenges that you think you might be the only one, you know, facing that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that I yeah, just um um as you were speaking, I was like looking up you know, finding Zara and YouTube, so I'll be checking it out really. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Your most recent shot, Ogola, um, was produced by yes. Morgan Freeman. How did that happen? Well, well, well. Um, um, yeah, so the entire thing that um, Aunt Kemi did for us was like, caused a very large ripple effect that um, 
led to us um, connecting with um, the C with CAA, um, the Creative Artist Agency, who um, represents you know directors and filmmakers. I think as at the point you know they are just you know um, started representing CJ Fieri. Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah, funny enough, funnily enough, I had no ideas of then. Right, but yeah. um, no, no, I, I had an idea they were representing CJ Fieri, but I had seen CJ Fieri's um, Hello Rain short film, like the teaser yeah. in 2018, when um, we started making our first science fiction film because I was researching if like there were other science fiction films in like Nigeria, and I saw um, Kajola by Nia Kimolaya, the film that I does not like to talk about. Yeah, you know, a uh, fun fact is that. You know, when um, Inception came out, my cousins went for Inception and I wanted to be patriotic and I went for Kajala. Oh my God. Yeah. So you have seen the full film? I've seen it. Oh With all the Russian God, accents. Was... I, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, it's probably more than 10 years ago. So I can't yeah. really remember. But yeah, I, oh I have like flashes of what I saw, you know. Oh my God. Like, I think he was really ambitious and I wish his projects still are very ambitious and but I think it would be nice to see him go on something in that scale. Yeah. And I think he's just maybe working working towards it. But yeah, yeah. Like keeping close tabs on what he's yeah. always working on. But yeah. yeah, yeah, now not to digress too much from the question. So yeah, um so we got in contact with like our um representative um at the CAA who asked what we would like want to work on next and that time we we're like oh we have this um concept about you know reimagining you know the Orishas and all that and we shared with him like a very um short treatment on the project and yeah. you know a few weeks later he told us that oh Mika Freeman's revolution pictures are interested in looking on the project you know, and um, yeah, they'll be interested in offering this to um, produce the um, produce the film. Yeah. So yeah, that was how it happened. And from 2019 till late 2020, December 2020, we were planning. And in December 2020, we started filming, and we paused production till April 2021, yeah. and we finished work on the film in January 2022 but before the release we had to change the title because um, initially the film was titled Ogunwala which is Tomorrow's War in Yoruba right yeah but we called it Tomorrow's War you know just to appeal to like a general audience and eventually we were like, oh, because Amazon Prime 2 made their own the Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt, which we had no idea of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to, like, you know, change the title back to what it originally was and, you know, made it to go allow where it's coming, which is kind of like the a logline for, um, a tagline for the film. So, yeah, that was how it happened, really. And, you know, we were here. The film was made as a proof of concept yeah. for a larger um for a larger project. So yeah, fingers crossed for that. Okay, fingers crossed. Hoping hoping, you know, the bigger project comes around. Right, yeah. 
Yeah. So um, because you guys are represented by CAA, apart from you know them kind of asking you what you want to work on next, how is that relationship like? What's the full like? What's the full kind of scope of that relationship and how it works? Well, um, to be honest, being represented by the CAA is is very interesting, but I think that because we have always been in the sense of, you know, making our films independently, we are not too dependent on that relationship. It's like a very symbiotic relationship where um, if we would need to um, work on something that would need like a very important influence, you know, they are a call away and we can, you know, share ideas and say, okay, this would be interesting to kind of like look at and see how we can make it work, um, that sort of thing. And, you know, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of, um, would I say, talk on the street about representatives and all that, you know, and the complications that come with them. Mm-hmm. I think that we are fairly new to this. Um, we have asked for a lot of advice from like, you know, um, people look up to and you know I'm just in the early part of the journey so we we, we don't really know so much yeah. uh, we're just figuring out as we go really but um, I think that at least we have been able to um, make one project successfully with them and in talks of newer and bigger projects so I think it's all good so far but also we try to make our um, you know we try to like also we are very independence in this sense so yeah <laughs> yeah okay so at the, at the heart of the stories that the critics make um what um do you guys you know what kind of stories do you love to you know make is there a box or love to make there's no box we love to make <laughs> we love to make good films <laughs> yeah yeah that's i think that that's the core of it all really it's like regardless of um, a genre, as long as the film is good in all regards, and I emphasize on the all regards, right? That's, that's kind of like, that's, that's our core, really. Um, it, we have been put in the box of, you know, not putting, let me not, yeah, let me be modest. But yeah, we'll be put in the box of, you know, just being science fiction filmmakers. But I think that, for us, our journey in creating films is more than just making science fiction films, really. It's like there, there are so much stories to tell that do not fit that genre necessarily. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's say you are stuck on a deserted island and um, you had only you had the opportunity to watch only one movie over and over again. Which one would that be? Interstellar and Children of Men. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which I'd speak over the other. Yeah, and um, for those two, I mean, very different films and different genres. But um, what did what do you love about those two films? Well, um, I think I saw Interstellar. I think I've seen Interstellar twice and Children of Men possibly thrice. And um, hi. Children of Men came to me at a very important time in my life. I saw it very much you know, later than most people who have seen the film. And it was so influential 
to me that I do not think that any film has been that influential, you know, in my process and like my approach to work. Yeah. So um, there's that. Then for Interstellar, I just think that you know Christopher Nolan's um, talent in telling very complex stories, merging with very simple elements, and also you know making it feel like any one of us, right, can you know go to space and maybe experience a time loop that would make us go go 47 years in like a minute. Mm. You know, that, I think that that's that's a really amazing. Um, fit for a filmmaker so um yeah that i think those are a few reasons why i love these films um all in all in general i think they are really great films with like great performances great cinematography yeah. editing sound work and just you know impeccable vision by their creators so yeah yeah okay at some point um godwin was um, at Kaduna State University and you were at University of Abuja, but you guys decided to drop out. How did your parents react? <laughs> First of all, I find it interesting that you have this information. Yeah, it's somewhere yeah. there on the internet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, our parents were, I think they are still quarreling us. You know, not quarreling, but like they still want us to go to this school, even though they are like their their influence or like in, on that part of our life is not that strong as we are, you know, independent away from like our parents and all that. Mm. I am actually currently pursuing um my education at a distance learning um university. So okay. yeah. I, I, I kind of like really enjoy, you know, going to school and the entire process. It's just that the work that we do does not really give one so much time to be able to do um, education so easily, right? Because it feels like when you're doing education, it's like you must just have only one master at a certain point. So, yeah, yeah there's that. Okay, and um, did you decide to diversify or you're studying something related to film? Um, I decided to diversify really. Um, yeah, I was I chose to um study um business administration. So, um, yeah, just to kind of like really, you know, get insight on a on an aspect of education that I am not too familiar with. Yeah. The only thing I know is business studies. So yeah. Okay. So you know um the critics put Cardinal on the map. Um, you know, when you guys' story went viral. So would you say, like, currently the Cardinal film community is growing? Because, you know, with, with Nollywood, maybe 90% or maybe maybe 65% of the films get shot in Lagos, but there's this vast country yeah. with diverse um, tribes and languages that, you know, need to be explored, that need visibility. Um is there a community in Kaduna? Well, to be honest, honestly, um, Kaduna is a is a is a large but small city. Yeah. In the sense that there are there are um, I don't want to use too many filmmakers, but there are filmmakers in the state, right? Yeah. But um, eventually, most people have to you know go to Lagos because you know that's where 
you know, everything is like more, it's like you can't really make films here in Katna because it's, there is no industry here. I think there's there's a better industry in film in Kano than mm. even in Kaduna, really. But like there are people who are based there. I mean, um, Toka Magbaro. Yeah. Toka Magbaro, you know, is like, yeah, I think he's a, he's a Kaduna guy. I, I haven't even met him yet. Like, but I've like always heard of him. I know he's behind Merry Men and all that. So it's kind of like a, it's a state treasure, you know, for the film industry here in Kaduna. Yeah. For us, because as like filmmakers, we were like mostly in our safe spaces creating films. We mostly worked with ourselves in like film productions and did not really work with like other we did not really work with like other um creatives. So um you know I just we started this year, twenty twenty two, with the sole aim of, you know, building a community of filmmakers. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, Kamiya Datiba helped with your fundraiser and, you know, a few years down the line, you guys are doing the VFX for King of Boys. How did that feel? Well, I think that it will always be memorable, you know, being on set, you know, for the, I think being on a very large set for the um, first time and, you know, seeing like all these people that we had only seen like on television screens and like you know i think it was surreal in that moment but also the thing about all these experiences in life is that when they begin to happen a bit frequently a this complacency comes with it yeah. where it's like you might not be as really freaked out about it like you would be a few years back yeah. But I think that there are just certain moments like this that, you know, are very special and like just very interesting to hold there because, you know, we're in our small space in Kaduna. At a certain point where we were working on the project, in, we were working on King of Boys Visual Effects, um, there was no, I think, yeah, there was no electricity and yeah. there was no fuel because, um, the electricity distribution company went on strike and also there was scarcity of fuel and you know you had to buy like fuel from the black market so that we could continue work yeah. and you know it's like and you know the pandemic was just easing out as of that certain time so all our conversations were like online and yeah so yeah that was like a very interesting time and you know it's like Something that you're working on on the computer ends up being on a, on an international platform like Netflix was something really interesting to you know think about. And also we got to work on the visual effects for um, Juju stories as well, yeah. which we saw for the first time last year September in Frankfurt because there was this film museum film museum in Frankfurt Germany yeah. where they were having this um, festival of some sort. So. We heard about it and we're like, oh, did you see it? Like, ah, okay, that would be nice. Let's go to, uh, let's go see the film. And uh, yeah, we saw the film for the first time there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So with, um, you know, the VFX work you did on King of Boys and Juju Stories, like going into the project, you know, you guys have to be the supervisors, like making sure things are shot properly. Would you say that um, like every single um, VFX shot that you guys worked on 
you already kind of knew how to you know work work on those kind of things or maybe like the production pushed you guys to kind of new frontiers well uh, there were certain things that we worked on for king of boys that we had done before but i think like the thing about vfx work is that each film comes with its own you know challenges and you know its own problems and all that i think that with our few years of experience we're able to you know manage the problems that would come on you know that would come you know with um, working on this um on this project so i think there are just few things on both projects that we had not done before but we're able to figure out problems on in um fixing in fixing them i think like for something interesting about king of voices like there was something that we were not aware of until we began <laughs> until we began visual effects which is basically um the newscasters yeah. Um, yeah, so the newscasters and also like a TV show that um, RMD char- RMD's character appeared in um, in the film. Yeah. We had no idea that we were going to work on those um, shots until, you know, VFX work began and you're like, oh yeah, you'll be doing that as well. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was interesting. That's nice. With um Hollywood productions, some blockbusters, there tends to be like a whole army of people in the VFX um departments. Does VFX get better with you know certain tools or you know it's it's always going to be um a time consuming task? Well, you know, there's this new surge of like the entire AI discourse and, you know, AI and visual effects. And I am not really sure if that is going to make the work faster, number one. Yeah. Um, certain tools make work easier, right? But I think that there will always be the problem of a time crunch when it comes to visual effects. But you never know. I think a lot of these companies are trying to develop technologies that will make the work faster because, you know, capitalism is involved now. Yeah. Yeah, um, For the projects that will make the most money, you would need, like, a significant amount of, you know, (laughs) you need a, you need, like, a significant amount of VFX shots in these projects, you know, Mm. because of the high rise of all these blockbuster films making a lot of money at the office. So I think a lot of companies are trying to, find a way to fasten up the process so that they can do it as fast and as easy as possible. So um, it seems like it might become faster, but I do not think so. And yeah, there are a few tools that make the work more easier. The AI tools that exist now are are doing quite okay, but um, the way mainstream media uses some of these tools are not the way, um, you know, these companies, like the actual VFX providers, you know, use these tools. They use it in like more advanced and more um, special ways than um, our, you know, mainstream um, sources use them. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are you um I conversant with the kind of VFX technology being used on the Mandalorian? Oh yes, the. Um... What's the name of this place? Um, yeah, the volume. <laughs> yeah. 
I had not seen um the Mandalorian, but I had seen the Batman that also made use of the same LED technology. And I tell you that watching this scene that this technology was used in the cinema, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I could not tell that it was actually shot on the LED on, on the LED volume. So that was like very um um, so that was like very interesting to see, and I think that out, out of all the newest technologies that you know that is making visual effects work easy, that's the most impressive for me. For some reason, I have no idea why. Yeah. And um, but also why it is more interesting is that visual effects work had always depend, always depended on you know working in posts, huh. but now this technology means that you have to work. A significant amount of the work in pre-production and prepare a lot of materials and a lot of systems to make it work so that the visual effect work done in post is just the littlest stuff like cleanups and a bit of additions you know camera reactions to shots so yeah that, that is actually very interesting really yeah what are your thoughts on some ways that you know Nollywood can challenge itself with using VFX to its advantage. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, uh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this conversation this conversation leads is a is like a open door to like so many other conversations. Huh. But um the truth is that visual effects, right, is a, the conversation of visual effect is so broad because in Hollywood there is a large, you know, there has been a lot of complaints about, you know, how Marvel, you know, how Marvel Studios overuses CGI and visual effects, right? Yeah. And you know how you would watch a lot of these CG characters and you would not feel any weight to them. You know how you would watch a Jackie Chan film then, right? And because you already have an idea that this thing could be real, mm. you would always constantly be asking yourself if it was real or not. And that thing would be adding to the thrill of the shots that you are watching, yeah. right? As a visual effect artist, I do not think, and also a filmmaker, I would not encourage the way... Um, CGI is used in like certain films, right? I think I would encourage it in the sense that, you know, people see it and they don't know if it is real or fake. So it's like just making the audience wonder really. But also it's like, I don't want the audience to be too caught up with the fact that, oh, cool explosions are happening Hmm. in the background or you know there are some there are some characters doing some really cool things you know i think that at the core of it all what the audience should be worried about is the story and the visual effects should be there to you know i I think the visual effects there should be able to aid in conveying that story in the best possible way and not distract the audience from like what they are watching i don't know if that makes sense so Hmm. now Bringing this discourse into the Nollywood light, I am. I, I feel like I, I. feel like I need to breathe my tongue in the sense that oh, I am not like I will not be considered a professional in Nollywood. So my thoughts on this are not. Might not. Um. 
yeah, it's like I am. I feel like more of like you know, currently like an outsider to the industry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I I don't I don't really speak so much, you know, on certain things because you know there is there is the conversation on how you know filmmaking here yeah, is an entirely different animal, right? You know, mm. and when filmmakers are struggling with like the things like you know the production the creative process behind the stories and they haven't even figured that out why do we start bringing the conversation officially yeah <laughs> so yeah it's like so it's like although one thing that i can just say is that um for anyone that's going to listen to this visual effect is not magic number one number two a lot of work happens in the paper production as well as in the post-production like you don't just call a visual effect artist a week or a day before production and say hey this is happening you know come and do this come and do that a lot of the visual effects that we see in like all these high-end films have been tested like two to three months even years before james cameron's avatar tools research uh, news is, is there for all of us to read. He has been developing the technology for the water simulation since basically at, by the end of the first um, Avatar film so that they could get the best possible um, technology for this second film, right? So it's not just, oh, one week, come and do this. One day, come and do this, right? It is cool to be able to, you know, work on the global. The best visual effect comes from like a very important thoughtful process and not just something that you just come and be improvising because honestly honestly you might not really get the best result as compared to when you have you know done your trial and error and you have done the best possible version of the shot that you want i don't know if that makes sense yeah it does yeah so yeah. how how crazy do you think it is that you know for christopher nolan most of his shots, he tends not to do with VFX. I find it really interesting, right, and inspiring, even though I you know, agree with some of his, you know, his ethics and his approach to the work. So I, I personally feel like sometimes it goes, <laughs> it feels like he's going overboard <laughs> with his choices, but I respect the man and I respect what he's able to do. And also, you know, I was just yesterday, I was thinking about how certain um how certain things right like how certain pr for certain people's works right usually affect like our psychology yeah. right to how we perceive films now you know there has been this news about openheimer you know i've not had so much about openheimer but i've had that oh okay christopher nolan figured out a way to make the nuclear explosion all in camera yeah. for uh, openheimer everybody almost everybody that is going to see that film will be going with that notion in their head yeah. and they'll be watching the film and they will not be able to tell when christopher nolan was working with visual effects or when he was working with you know realistic elements and yeah. i think that that also like affects like how the audience um perceives films so in the end yeah, some things are pr and i would like 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 the audience to not just believe everything that we see about what filmmakers do. For example, now there is the newest talk about, you know, everything everywhere being edited on Premiere Pro and also working with like five visual effects artists. Mm. But the truth in the actual sense is that they worked with like a limited number of visual effects artists, correct? 
but they also lended out like some of the shots to like um they landed some a bit complicated i think it was some clean up and rotor shots to like a vfx vendor yeah. right to handle it right because the workflow would have just been too much for those guys so that is a part of the story that a lot of people don't know but you know everybody's just oh five guys did the visual effects seven guys did the visual effects so yeah yeah okay you guys the critics recently had an exhibition in germany yes yeah can you talk more about that well um yeah so this is a very interesting um story because yeah we just got back from um frankfurt the opening um happened on the 31st of march 2023 and um, the exhibition is titled One Can Only Open Wonder. And here we are, filmmakers in Nigeria, like having <laughs> something close to, and having an art exhibition, um, a solo exhibition in a museum in Frankfurt. And that happened because we made um, this um, very weird experimental film titled Timothy in 2021 that got featured at the Athens Biennale. Yeah. And um, the curator of this museum, the director of this museum, saw Timothy and thought to kind of like get in contact with us and, you know, pitch the idea of having an exhibition um, in this museum um, called the Museum for Modern Art. It's called MMK, Museum for Modern Art Kunst. Um, well, yeah, it translates to English as the Museum for Modern Art. And, you know, we created this entire um exhibition projects titled One Can Only Open Wonder for um for for this um museum and basically the projects pulled from elements on the topic of restitution, um the perspective of you know people towards arts and the artists and also the element of how we are losing our culture and heritage with each single day um as we progress in this nation and how it is important for us to acknowledge, you know, what was in the past and also what is happening in the present as yeah. well as the future and not just dwell in what has happened before. So, um, yeah, we did that. We shot the film in the early parts in, we shot it in February and we completed the entire post-production in Frankfurt. I think we finished the film a day before the opening of the exhibition because we're still tweaking some elements. And yeah, yeah the exhibition is currently ongoing and it's just there. And we are here back, clapping for our next project. So, yeah. Okay. So, what's the next project? Well, it's going to be a short film before a feature film. Over also, we are open to things can change now because we have so many projects in in, in the and works at the moment. So yeah. Okay. Um. You know, you guys started really young, and I guess you know, seeing Hollywood productions, wanting to replicate some of those things for you guys. Like, whose work inspires you, or for you, whose work inspires you know the work that you try to do. I think like the filmmakers I have, I have mentioned subconsciously, mm. um, Christopher Nolan, um, Alfonso Cuaron, 
um, find a way to inspire the work that we do. And um, yeah, I think those are very um, major influential filmmakers. Steven Spielberg also has like this um, quite interesting um, influential nature because I think that for a lot of us, Steven Spielberg was a name that even if you are not like a film enthusiast, yeah. you would know. But yeah, particularly for Steven Spielberg was the first filmmaker I ever knew about because my um, parents had this Guinness World Record book um, for the year 2004. Yeah. I've forgotten what record he broke, but yeah, it was in that book. So yeah, it stuck with me ever since I was like a very young person. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. All right, so back to Nollywood. Um, you know, over the 30 years or more that the industry has existed, we have surmounted a lot of challenges and every year we keep, um, you know, striving to improve the quality of the work we put out for you. Yeah, true. Um, we still have challenges and we still struggle with some things for you. What is that thing you think we need to prioritize and improve? Well, I think that the um, the more um, daring and ambitious filmmakers that we get to see in the industry, the better for us, right? I feel like um, the films that we have in Nigeria, right? Correctly, they are a um, they have their audience, right? And you know they are doing so well in their own regard. But I think that for the industry to take a step forward and also to not be seen, you know, like a joke in comparison to like our other counterparts worldwide, we need more honest and ambitious and very creatively different filmmakers, right? You know, so that the work that comes out of Nollywood does not look like as if it's coming out from a bakery and everything has to look almost the same way. So um yeah, uh, in the end, I am a I'm a good I am a great advocate for balance, right? Yeah. I don't think that okay we should have, I don't think that we should have oh this type of you know art house full on artistically creative um, filmmakers. I think that if there is a balance between both of them, it will be good for the industry. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know where can people you know. Um, go to keep up with um, things that you guys are doing, things that you're up to? Um, well, um, we have a YouTube channel called The Critics, called Critics Company, where we uh, release our short films and also our Instagram um, account, which is The Critics 001. Um, since the beginning of this year, we have been releasing um, something called the everyday vlog that chronicles like our life <laughs> and it will be running till the end of this year and yeah we just hit the 100 like a few days ago so yeah, um, yeah I think those, those those two channels are the best ways to keep in touch with what we have going on yeah well well done on you know staying consistent thank you very much thank yeah very much. would you say you guys have hit any like major realization with you know just you know keeping up with the daily vlogs well um i think yeah yeah i have really i have really um 
I think it's the constant realization of how you know the creative process changes. It it also has helped me personally with confidence, right? And also the importance of paying attention to one's work and just trying to, you know, put out the best with every single day. You know, the entire point of doing this at the beginning was just to find a reason to create because last year I felt like so much passed and there were just very few pockets of moments where I was able to create and I did not like how I felt Mm. at the end of the year. So um, it was kind of like a tax for myself to just, you know, put my brain in that constant loop of, you know, figuring things out, you know, how can I best capture the events of a day and make it enjoyable for people to watch, even in a day where nothing happens. And I found that really interesting because, you know, the brain has to think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thank you very much, um, Sele. I have one more question for you, though. Okay. Um, yes. And yeah, so if Sele got your name, and if it is, where are you from? Okay, yeah, Sele, Sele got is my name. Do you want to guess where I'm from? Well, I have, it is between Benway and Calabar, Cross River. Wow. That's where, those are where my, yeah. Okay, so I'm actually from Plateau State. The God gave it away now that you mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. But yeah, you, 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 well, well, um, a lot of Benway people are in Plateau, so yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But yeah, nice to know. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And um, thanks for um, coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for having us and, you know, considering us to be a part of this. We have come to the end of this episode. Remember to rate and review the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Selegal Film and the podcast at the Niger Film Pod to share your feedback. You can now support the podcast by visiting the website to donate. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.